This episode of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has just added Pick'em Scorchers where you could win 100 times your money, turn $5 into 500. That's right, $5 into 500. And also every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. All you got to do is enter a contest and you are in. 10 bucks, you get a chance to win uh, 10K. So easy, enter the contest and you are locked in. Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. So I know usually Monday nights we're previewing this upcoming golf tournament, but we have another special interview, very, very special interview, a podcast host, PGA Tour professional, Corn Ferry Tour winner, SoCon Player of the Year back in his day, Andrew Novak. Andrew, thank you for joining me. Happy to have you here. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be on. That's, uh, it might be the first time it's been back, I've heard back in the day. I'm starting <laughs> to feel old now. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, I got to gotta spice it up a little bit. It was so, a while ago, man. It's not. It's been a bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you had a, you had a good, uh, good career over at Wofford. I think you're one of two Wofford players to ever play on the PGA Tour. That's a yeah. decent accomplishment. So, yeah, old Willie McGurk. Oh, Willie McGurk. How could you forget him? Um, yeah. Before we get into these golf questions, I'm going to talk a little bit, ask you a few, few quick hitters. I'm going to call this the short par four. Just four non, non-golf related questions off the top. Pick your brain a little bit. So you might not know that. You don't know this about me, but I did a little bit of research about you. You are a Carolina Panthers fan. So am mm. I. Die hard. Have a massive Panthers tattoo in my no leg. No way. Give me, There's like seven of them. That's amazing. I'll show you. Yeah, I'll show you it after the show. Give me the Carolina Panthers state of the union right now because it, it just talk to me for a little bit about Panthers. We won a game. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, usually... Uh, Usually this is the part of the season where you start praying that you lose games because the season's over and you just want a good pick. And so this is the part of the season they start winning games and get your hope back up before then blowing it at the end and missing the playoffs at the end and ending with a mid-tier pick. Now we don't have a first-round pick. So now it's just like, whatever, you know, try and win, who cares? Um, I don't know. It's a mess, but like we won. That's cool, right? Uh, no, I mean, Thomas Brown added some juice. I've been a Thomas Brown guy. I'm a Miami Hurricanes uh, college fan. He was running back coach there. He did good things at Georgia, Wisconsin back in the day. Um, he's been, you know, a good, well-respected running back coach in, in the in the NFL. Under working under McVay, he's been a respected coach on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL as well. So we might have, you know, maybe found ourselves, you know, the next big young offensive coordinator. Who knows? We need we needed that that juice because Reich was not doing a good job, and I'm happy we beat Stroud because I was honestly a Stroud yeah. guy the last year. Yeah. I wanted Stroud, but it was I'm happy we made the move and got anyone. So I'm yeah. happy Bryce beat Stroud. Panthers are a mess, and like we can't even root for losses anymore because we don't have a damn pick. Yeah, yeah. it's a mess, but yeah. hopefully it's on the Bryce way. Bryce definitely looked better too. Like that was he the did. best. He, he like he made some good plays, like moving around the pocket, finding some guys. Uh, it's still like dysfunctional at times, but. I mean, at least there's progress. Yeah, I mean, he's doing his best with not the best weapons around him. We can't be for sure. all mad. Hope It's only going to get for better. Sure. We'll move I mean, on to... What were you saying? What were you going to say? I mean, I can go on right forever. I mean, we just paid like Miles Sanders six mil a year for what, four years? And now he's just basically going to be the backup. Like, I don't know what we're doing. But. Tune in next week for the Carolina Panthers podcast. Me and Andrew yeah. Novak. We will, we will get on it weekly. Um. So are you a SoCon basketball guy at all? Because I live and die. I love SoCon basketball and it's starting yeah. next week. You, yeah. you, you're into it? 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of years for, for Wofford, but I mean, I, follow, yeah. I, I watch every game still. Yeah, Wofford basketball over the last like five to 10 years has been mm-hmm. product of mid-major success. They just do the same thing every damn year, same roster. There's guys there for, that just stay there for like six to 10 years. That are just, this guy's yeah, the only yeah. team. And they I mean, just, it, it was really like in the Mike Young years, it really was like a well-oiled machine. Like dudes yeah. came in, got better every year. Like if a guy came in and he played like five, 10 minutes his freshman year, that guy was going to be an all conference player by his senior year. Like that's just how it was. And, yeah. I uh, love it was so all things SoCon. It's such competitive. It's kind of like, I think the same way yeah. the Sun Belt in college football, it's so competitive mm-hmm. every damn year, yeah. like top to bottom. Anyone could be anyone for sure. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your podcast, because as you can see from this first five minutes, Andrew knows how to talk. Talk to me about your podcast a little bit. Yeah, we got a podcast uh, at screenplay underscore podcast. You can find us, you know, anywhere uh, like Spotify, Apple Pod, whatever. Uh, Basically, a former teammate of mine in college and I, uh, both big football guys. And it's something I kind of wanted to do for a while. And he came to me with an idea. And yeah, we kind of went for it. It's still early on. We're on. Uh, I think this week will be our either sixth or seventh episode. And we just do weekly, weekly episodes, breaking down the NFL action and uh, talk a little bit of fantasy in there. Throw a little, uh, throw a little gambling lines, talk, talk some betting lines in there as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just a good time. Come in and uh, hear some football. Hell yeah. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but over here at SGPN, go search it up on YouTube after the show. We have, a million football shows a week. And if you're an SGP fit, SGPN fan, if you're watching this podcast, you know that. So now you have another stream to watch when you run out of a podcast for the week. Cause I'm me, myself, I'm always listening to football sports podcasts. And like, I get to that last one of the week. Where I'm like, damn, I wish I could listen to another one. So now I got another one. We'll shout it out again at the end of the podcast, moving on a little bit to the golf questions real quick. The most unconscious round you've ever had with your boys on the tour, anything just, as a golfer, even if you're a 20 handicap, you feel like that one day you just, everything's clicking. And you as a obviously professional, what was the time you were like, damn, I cannot miss right now. That's actually, that is a super good question. Uh, I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. The first time I ever played tobacco road, um, okay, I don't know if you know anything about that place, but yes. I played it blind and just started straight blackout. I, I think I was seven under through six. Like straight, like literally one, like the first hole, like if you know Tobacco Road, I hit a tee shot that I thought was terrible and it's in the middle of the fairway because you don't know where to hit it. And then I was just like looking at the picture of the hole. I knew it was par five and I knew I had like, cause of the card, I had like two fifty something or whatever. And I just grabbed a three wood and just kind of hit it in the direction I thought it was kind of missed it. But I was like, Oh, that'll be up there. It was like six inches from the hole. We got, I almost made it two. <laughs> like it was just like, like I didn't know where to hit it. I didn't know any, like the course is, if you're playing it blind, you kind of have no idea what you're doing. And I yeah. just got away with everything and made a bunch of putts and it was, it was just ridiculous. I didn't really like finish, finish off the round, but that start was wild. And then, uh, back in, I think it was like fall after my freshman year or something like that. Basically I, I won the South Carolina state amateur and the third round, like basically my whole week, it was just like blackout with the putter. I wasn't even hitting it that well. And my third round, I chipped in three times in four holes. I don't and I was seriously considering just starting to miss greens on purpose because <laughs> I, I just remember, like when the third one went in, I was pretty like confident the guys I was playing with were about to kill me. 
That's hilarious. And that was it. That's playing with your boys or that you said that was, in a- yeah, I mean, it was, it was guys I knew, um, who was I playing? With? I know I was playing with Caleb Sturgeon cause he, he was not happy. He played in South Carolina and then I can't remember who the other guy I was playing with was maybe, but that was, that was just the state am in South Carolina. That's funny. All right. Let's get into the, let's get into the guts now. So, uh, I've heard in other interviews, you're talking, you got into golf, I guess a little later, not super late. You didn't start playing in college, but talk to me a little bit about your recruiting college. Obviously we said already, you went to Wofford and Spartanburg. Uh, did you have any other offers or look to go anywhere else? No, I didn't really have any other offers. Uh, I got into it late, like I said, and, um, like basically the way it is, like, I mean, I got like, when I say late, like I didn't start playing until like seventh grade. So in South Carolina, you could try out for the high school team, uh, like starting in seventh grade. So I actually tried out for the local high school team, uh, in seventh and eighth grade, I got cut both times. So I got cut from my high school team twice. Uh, that was like before I was actually in high school, but, um, Basically, like I probably wasn't breaking forty for nine holes from like kind of up tees until like probably spring of ninth grade. So I was like way behind. You know, their kids shooting in the sixties by then, like putting up you know good scores everywhere, playing all these junior turns everywhere, and I was like just learning how to play still. So you know, I didn't start showing up to these bigger events until like later sophomore year, junior year. And by then, like a lot of the, the college coaches have their classes full. They, they've recruited guys. And so it was tough for me to kind of get recruited because even though maybe a coach was like interested in me, they were like, you know, we, I already got two guys committed. I don't have money for you basically. Um, so it, it, it worked out that I went to Wofford. I had a great time at Wofford. Um, so it definitely worked out for me, but like it was tough getting recruited with right. kind of how, how the landscape was with that. Yeah, I've, I've been to Wofford one time for like a football camp when I was when I was back in high school. Pretty sweet campus. I like it over there. Yeah, yeah, really small school, but it's yeah. uh, it's beautiful. All right, now let's also talk about your path to the PGA Tour. You were a part of that COVID Corn Ferry mega season that was just a grind. And the Corn Ferry Tour, no matter when you're playing, is a grind. You can't have you have to be pedaled down. You cannot have weeks where you're shooting five under. You got to go twenty under plus every damn week and that doesn't suit everyone's style of play so what's that what was that like just playing week in week out and knowing you were like i i gotta make a birdie on every damn hole like what is that my thought process yeah that's i literally was talking with john augenstein like okay. two days ago when we were playing down here i was talking about it it was like like we were kind of like talking through it um it's like i feel like when you played poorly it was almost harder to play on corn Ferry tour than PJ tour because like PJ tour, if you play poorly, you can maybe still scrap out some pars. You can get it around and like, you know, salvage a even or one over round and you're okay. If you do that on corn Ferry tour, like, I don't know how you make cut. Like you got to shoot eight under just to make up for something like that. Like you just get lapped on those courses. So it, it's like, it's almost easier to handle like, being off on the PJ tour in Corn Ferry, but now playing well, I think it's easier to play well and kill it out there because when you do have those tournaments where you're like, you know, putting it well and uh, hitting it well, you're going to make so many birdies, like just because of the courses too. So it, it's definitely taking advantage of that, like to play well in Corn Ferry tour, but some guys are just better at that than, than others. 
Do you think there's like a solution to that? Or I mean, the, the obvious solution is play harder courses, but I don't know. I feel like there's a better prep to the PGA tour because that's not how the, I mean, obviously you got to oh. play, you got to go deep on the tour, but you're not going 25 under every week on tour. Uh, mm, I think, cause I, I, I agree that like the corn Ferry tour is good prep for the PGA tour. Like I think players that come off the corn Ferry tour are pretty prepared to play PGA tour, at least more so than like when they're coming out. And that, of Houston, that, shows, how they that, and that shows the top guys yes. are the top guys. But like, I think certain courses on the PGA tour, you see rookies play better at than others. Like, right. I think there is like an adjustment period to getting used to some of these PGA tour courses uh, for guys coming off corn ferry. Now I do think there are like certain college tournaments these days played at certain courses where they do get conditions like that. Like guys are starting, you know, USAM stuff like that. Like there are ways to play courses in, you know, PGA tour kind of conditions, uh, that you can kind of go back on. But I, I think it's like, it's kind of hit or miss week to week, uh, with, with how, different or similar you see like corn Ferry to pga tour yeah it's definitely a, a very weird situation and you you obviously came out of that season that was i couldn't even imagine that for a year plus of that of that COVID season with like no one there just grind it grind it grinding your ass off but congratulations you made it and you remained inside that 125 for this this season obviously there's still the fall to play but you had a decent uh past 2023 Talk to me about last season and then touch on this new fall schedule. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. And yeah, talk to me a little bit about both those things. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, this season was, you know, much better than my previous season. Uh, I was just like, more comfortable playing. Uh, but as far as like the fall, uh, I didn't know. I didn't really have a problem with the change. Like it makes sense because they can have their playoffs start smaller and, like more drama that way. Um, and then they can add, like create more drama in the fall. And I love that they've created an off season. So like, if you do play well, if you, you know, make it easy like and stuff, then you can have that off season, which I've like kind of wanted for a while. Like that's, that's great. Uh, like, I feel like that's a great incentive for, for playing well. Um, so far, like this fall, I haven't played well, but like, I haven't minded the whole situation, like, you know, playing for the one twenty five. This, this week's been pretty tough though. And I've been playing with like a little extra pressure basically two years ago. Like my best friend, he got engaged. He was trying to set his wedding and we were talking about it. He's like, look, I want to make this good with you. Like where, when can we go? We were talking about it and he like brought this date up and I, and I was like, yeah, it's my COVID. It's the fall. It doesn't, you know, it is what it is. Like fall's not that big a deal. Right. And now not only my COVID is gone, it's in Cabo now. And uh, now it's like a massive deal. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm like 118 on the points list right now. So it's, it's really not an ideal situation. Kind of tough that Jay pulled this switch on us, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, it all I'm, so I'm going to go to the wedding and I'll just make sure to yeah. play good and Bermuda and RSM. Yeah. Prior commitments. And it all happened. No one could have predicted what happened in the state of golf yeah. the last two years. So yeah, I mean, one week shouldn't kill you on the tour. Like, I mean, it, it, obviously one week is huge, but you have enough, you're inside the 118. It's not, I feel like it'd be, it'd be different if you were like 130. You're like, well, I don't know yeah. if I can go to this wedding, man. I got, I got to get to Mexico. But 
So what courses are you most looking forward to playing this year? If you were able to set your schedule, have any in advance or just your favorite courses on tour that like week in week out. Cause you've played a I mean, majority of them. I love playing Pebble. Like that's so with that being an elevated, like that would be a really nice goal for early season. Um, whether that's, you know, going and winning Bermuda or RSM to get in that 51 to 60, or that's going out and playing well in Sony or one of the ones leading up to it. I think there is like, I think there's ways to get into that. I'm not sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they, so. they changed it. I, I can't remember what all it is, but it's still, whole uh, it'd be really system. cool to play that. Um, I've not played waste management yet. And with okay. that not being elevated, uh, as long as I can hold my spot in the 125, I should get in that, which i um, super pumped since I've not gotten to play that. Um, and then any like the invitationals that I haven't gotten to play, like I'd love to, you know, get to Memorial and, and play there. I've heard great things about that. Um, Bay Hill and play Arnold Palmer's event. Um, like it, it just, you know, it'd be nice to like play some of the tournament, play some of the events that I have not gotten to play yet in my first two years. So what are your thoughts on Florida golf? I know it's a kind of a controversial topic, mm. pretty straightforward, uh, water, fairway green. That's it. Thoughts on Florida golf, yeah. very flat. Yeah. I, I don't mind Florida golf. I've played well. Like I won my corn Ferry tour event in Florida. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just very penalizing. Like Honda is pretty tough, man. Like that, that week is so brutal. Like that course really? is, that course is literally the most stressful course on tour. There, you cannot, there's not a shot out there on that course where you're not just like one swing away from making double. It's just, it's so stressful. Um, yeah, that's my, back, that's my, that's my backyard event. So I'm, I'm always at Honda. I, lo- yeah. I hope to see you out there this Honda week. Cause it is yeah, I, I played, crazy. I played three Hondas now. I think I played yeah, three. I, got the, I, got the I, mon- I Monday right into one right like there. wait. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, uh, every time I play, like I, I've had like, some decent rounds out there, but man, it's like, you never feel great going around that place. Like, I don't care how well you're playing. Like it could just fall apart so fast. Wow. So is that like your least favorite stop? It, it uh, no, no, I wouldn't say that because the fans are so good there. Like it's such a good turnout. It's a fun event. It's just like yeah. the golf itself is stressful, but I love being down there. All right. So you're having a, a tough, tough week on, on the course. What is your most reliable club in the bag? Just something you can go to. And then a club that is your least reliable, you gotta, you don't feel hundred percent, like even on a good day. Uh, most reliable. I mean, I feel like I can pretty much always rely on my short game. And if it's been a rough day, then probably like chipping in or something like that to get the momentum back might be the quickest way to flip the switch. So I would go like a wedge there, maybe like 60 degree, um, for reliability. And then, you know, to flip the switch. Uh, and then I don't know. That's, that's an interesting question. Like the other one, like, I feel like statistically in the past, I've probably been a little bit behind, like as far as like off the tee, my first game, like off the tee was lagging, but the last like couple months I've kind of been just driving it. Perfect. So definitely not the driver right now. Cause that thing's been really good. So I, I don't really know, I guess, you know, yeah, it's crazy because okay. the, yeah. the last the last two guys that I've talked to, golfers, they've said the club that like statistically doesn't look the best. They're like, yeah, I feel great with the club, but just not. Yeah, I guess the number. It's just yeah. so, golf it, that just epitomizes golf, just how yeah. crazy and weird the, the the game is. So when you first got on the tour, 
did you have a like wow moment i'm playing with this guy like just your first one of those or was it just head down i'm here to golf yes and no like i mean seeing some of the like older guys guys i grew up watching that was that was pretty cool um but like i played on corn ferry for four years and i played with scotty since i was like 14 and sam burn same thing like growing up i guess probably 15 16 but like played junior golf with like those guys uh zalatoris played a ton of golf with him like on corn ferry and then i go you know i was still on corn ferry and they got out on pj tour and we're doing good things already so like i mean i just i I played corn ferry events with them there'd be like two people watching like and then they're going out and doing that so that kind of like that's part of what i you know what i was talking about with how corn ferry prepares you like it takes some of like the shock factor out of it because it's just like, like I know those guys, like I know they're good, but yeah, I know, I know what they can do and I know how my game stacks up. So it's like nothing I've never seen before really. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy because you watch you on the range, you watch Scotty, you watch two people on the range if, and, you're, and you're not a golf fan. You just see two guys hit shots. You don't, you can't tell the difference. You as a golfer, can you tell when you're playing with Scotty Scheffler as well as Al Torres of the world on the corn ferry? I'm saying that these guys are, these guys are a little different. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You, you can see like, you can definitely see pieces of it. Like Scotty always hit it so well. And then his hands, like his short game. Um, he like, honestly, he hit a shot at colonial this year when I was playing with him, he had a short game shot that uh, <laughs> there's not anybody else hitting that shot. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> I just, I remember like looking at it like, dude, what was that? And <laughs> it's, I don't know. You like, you see, you definitely see like bits and pieces and like, Will, like the way he hits his irons, like he, Will's like pretty long, but his like irons are like, like if we had drivers, he'll be like, you know, 10, maybe 15 by me. And then we'll like get on a part three and he's hitting like almost two clubs less than me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, talk to me about you said I saw in your PGA Tour bio, Sports Center top ten. What, what what was that about? Yeah, yeah, that was in college at uh, NCAA's regionals, my junior year. Um, I was the first Wofford golfer to go to NCAA's in like I don't know, it'd been like a few years, like five six yeah. years, and they didn't have any like film, like uh, video, like film of a uh, player playing. So they sent a media team, basically like the what do they call them the CID or something. I don't know. The the social media guy and one other camera guy basically uh came to the regionals and filmed me for like a bit. Uh they did some of the holes and the eighteenth hole there, the green's like fifty yards long and I thought I was gonna get a jumper, it didn't jump. So I'm like way on the front of the green to back pin like up a ridge. It was literally like a hundred something. It's probably the longest putt I've ever even attempted in a tournament. And uh, they were like over there on the hill and my mom, the way my mom tells it, she said like, why aren't you filming? He's definitely going to make this. And so they, you know, busted the camera out and sure enough, I made it from hundred, whatever feet it was. And that's yeah, nuts. got on sports center. That, that, that's, that's a good sports center top 10 story. All right. We got a few more questions for you. Craziest quick corn ferry or mini tour story. Just cause a lot of people don't know what goes on on those tours. It is a literal grind. Anything out of the normal happen to you or to someone you're playing with or around? Uh, there's always this fun one. I mean, it's not a great memory, but uh, we were at Pumpkin Ridge. So it's like the end of like, when I was on Corn that was the last tournament of the regular season. So oh, that was to like, now, I think, yeah, it's, they don't play there anymore. 
but it was like a major event when, when we played in there and I was like really on the cut line. I think I was like one safe of it. And then another guy I was playing with was like one behind. And then the other guy was, I don't know where he was, but it was basically it was Conrad Schindler, me, and then another pro. Conrad Schindler. Yes. What a stud. Yeah. <laughs> what a stud. And so uh, on eight, a little par four there, hit it up on the green, uh, got my two putt, but it's like getting dark, getting late. Uh, we're la- literally the last group. And Conrad's finished out. And so he goes over to nine to go tee off. And then the other guy is going. And he ends up like three whacking it basically. And so he's going to miss the cut. And he just doesn't tap in his bogey. He didn't three whack. I guess he missed his par putt. Like he put it up his birdie, then put his par, missed it. And then just took his putter and whacked the ball 40 <laughs> yards off the back of the green. Like that launches his putter. Like he was, I guess he was like outside the number to make the playoffs. So that was like going to yeah. be the end of the season. Potter goes flying, goes off in the woods. He had like a local caddy that didn't speak English or something that way. Like the guy and the guy, the caddy's just sitting there looking at us and he, and players just walking off. Like he just walks across one fairway, just goes to the, goes to the parking lot. And so I'm sitting there like, well, I guess we just keep playing. And like Conrad like kind of missed some of it, but then, so he came over and we were like trying to figure out what to do. And we're like, all right, we're just going to play. But at this point, it's pretty dark, and nine's literally the last hole. And like the rules officials, like they were just waiting. Like basically, we were going to tee off, then they were going to blow it for darkness. But like they'll sometimes talk to the players for the, to be like their discretion. And so I just, you know, I go ahead, decide to hit. It's a tough hole, and I just hit this terrible tee shot, like way outright. <laughs> I'm like, oh crap, I can't see. And there's like hay over there. And so basically, it turns into this whole thing. Like either I can look now or look in the morning. Like, do I hit another ball? Like, it's all dark. I keep in mind, I have to bogey this hole to make the cut. Everybody right. else in the tournament has finished. I basically, I had to come back in the morning to try and birdie the hole, like to do a search party to look for my ball that I'd hit 12 hours before or whatever. Probably not, like, How like the hell did you sleep that night? Not well, not well at all. Uh, we never <laughs> found the ball, had to go back to the tee. I actually hit two decent shots, but missed like a 20 footer. So I ended up missing the cut. But like that 15 minutes of just pure chaos was like peak corn fairy tour. Like, yeah, and I feel like stuff happens like that more. I mean, it does happen more I, than that, anyone. That one was definitely pretty specific, but uh, yeah. Well, the story was, came out about the, the guy this past year. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, not going to mention any names, but there was a corn fairy tour player that like had a egregious freak out problem and it got suspended for X yeah, amount of events. I'm, I'm you saw familiar. That. I've heard yeah, the so, stories, yeah. I'm sure stuff happens like that and people just yeah, never it's, know that. It's definitely like some one-off, but yeah, that one was like crazy. Like you would never see that on the PGA tour, but yeah, corn Ferry tour. If you, if you had gone to that event, hung around, you could have seen something crazy. Yeah. And Conrad Schindler, by the way, I, th- I guess it, I think it was Conrad three knows it. I mean, he, he'll, every time he sees me, he'll, he'll like bring it up. Like, can you believe That's, that happened? I, but like three years ago, I think it was, I, n- I never heard of Conrad Schindler. I, I'm a pretty knowledgeable golf fan. And for whatever reason, I was, I was at the travelers and this guy had the most light out iron round I had ever watched. He went absolutely <laughs> berserk on like, it was a Friday or Saturday. So Conrad Schindler, shout out. You're the man. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. A few more questions. Are you as like the better in me? I'm always looking into data and trends for my golf betting and analysis. Are you as the pro golfer looking into data analysis or do you have a team that, looks at your strokes gain and 
uh, courses that you will perform well on, holes, holes you'll perform well on or something like that? Yeah. Um, I do, I do, I look at stats. Uh, a lot of guys have like, uh, data guys now that'll, that'll yeah. tell them that I, I don't really like, I'm not in a position yet where I'm really choosing my schedule for the most part. Like if I'm in events, I'm playing them. So I don't really want to be told like, Hey, you're going to suck at this place. So I, you know, I, I don't look into that as much. Um, as far as like plotting out courses with that, uh, like, I don't know. I, I know for me, like what percentage plays probably look like, like it, right. you know, it's usually you can kind of tell my caddy will look into some of that stuff. Um, but usually it's not super close in my opinion. It might be like, uh, I'll find a way that something will make sense, whether a wind direction or is something or other, like I'll find something going into the week that, if it's this, I'm going to do this. If it's this, I'm going to do this. And I do a pretty good job of sticking to it where, you know, I, I know what my plan is going into something. And as long as I'm committed to it, I, I feel like as long as I'm making committed swings, I'm going to be in my best position to succeed on those holes. Yeah, definitely got to always be 100% certain in what you're doing. So you're, you play in pro-ams here and there. You play with your friends. What's the biggest thing you see in amateur golfers that obviously not a massive overhaul change, but simple thing that you're like, dude, just do this. It'll help you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like most of the time, like when I'm playing with program groups, like I feel like a lot of the guys I play with could like just straight up shave shots off their score. If they just played their shot, like played their swing, like whatever the shot is, just play the shot and like just try and hit, you know, whatever your shot is, just try and play that to the fairway. Like even if you play a big slice, you know, aim left, play the fairway, and then same thing into the green. Like whatever your shot is, just try and put it in the middle of the green. Don't worry about the pin. And you know, more times than not, that will probably eliminate the big numbers that like kill them. And then it's like short game. Like so many times, like you're playing with AMs, and they'll just like hit it in the bunker, and the hole's just over. Yeah. Or you know, they get off the green, and they just they don't know what they're doing short game wise. Now, I. In fairness to them, like they're playing a PGA Tour course in a pro am that is set up like that, but still, like it, it's just people around the greens for whatever reason they're just not comfortable with it. And it if you can put a little bit of time into that, it, it definitely helps. Even with just like a little bit of confidence, it, it really can make a difference. So basically, like not trying to do too much off the tee and into yeah, the greens. Like, no, like know your game. Like right. I'm not saying like guys should be like out there hitting flop shots like but a little bit of work and you might be comfortable playing a little lob shot that gives you like 10 to 15 feet for your putt like i'm not saying that's good at odds to make that putt but at least you're not going to make a six or, yeah, eight, I, or a seven or whatever i do that all the time i'm like i'm like oh i, I understand the golf swing so much i gotta do this to hit a draw i gotta do this to hit this and like just fucking hit the shot like just hit a shot like i always overthink it so mm -hmm. Talk to me about Sea Island because that's where you're living right now currently. Correct. Yeah. You are a part of Sea Island Mafia. There is a ton of guys that play there, and I always shout it out if I'm plugging one of those guys into that week. So you're now in. You're now in the group. How how are you playing playing games out there with those guys? And are, and that's how often are you playing with them? It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's always like guys to play with. Um, it's not like it's not necessarily like always the same groups, but it's just whoever's in town, whoever's looking to play. There's like, you can pretty much always find people also looking to play. 
So it's, it's a perfect spot to be because, you know, the competition like helps kind of bring everybody else up. Um, sea Island does a great job of, you know, giving us good facilities, giving us a place to play. And, um, yeah, I think that's part of what's attracted all these players. Yeah. Some damn, a lot of winners come from, come from the Sea Island mafia and, uh, hopefully you are next on that list. So where can we see you next on the tour? Again, thank you for doing this. Where can we see you next? Uh, I will be playing in Bermuda and then RSM for the final event of this season. So those will be my last two. All right. Well, that will wrap it up. A solid 30 minutes plus of Andrew Novak talking about everything you could imagine for this upcoming season. Andrew, thank you for joining me. Find him on Instagram, Twitter, his podcast. Definitely check it out. And hopefully we talk again soon. Thank you. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me.